listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host is Michelle Jewell Shaw, photographer, mom, and award-winning volunteer of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Jeremy, and hello to all of our listeners out there. We are recording this a little bit earlier in late May 2020, but this episode of Lighthearted will be released on June 8th. As we record, we are still dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Things are starting to reopen here in New Hampshire, but they're not quite back to normal yet. Because of that, we're recording this using Zoom instead of in person. The pandemic has interrupted the start of the tour season at many lighthouses, I don't know about you, Michelle, it feels really strange not to be starting our open house season at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse. It does feel really strange to not be there. I miss it very much. Yeah, I sure do too. I think there's uh, certainly some light at the end of the tunnel as far as dealing with the pandemic, and I hope our listeners have been coping reasonably well with all the turmoil that's been associated with it. I hope they're staying safe and healthy. That's my biggest wish for them all too, is that they're all staying safe and healthy. So today we're heading west to Michigan, to one of the most popular lighthouses on the Great Lakes for a conversation with Chuck Clark of the Friends of Point Betsy Lighthouse. The Point Betsy Light Station is on the northeast side of Lake Michigan, north of the city of Frankfurt in northern Michigan. The name of Point Betsy comes from its French name, Pointe aux Bexies, which in turn came from a Native American appellation that the people of the three fires gave to a river that flowed into Lake Michigan a few miles north of the point. The native name was said to mean Saw Beak Point and came from the large number of sawbill or merganser ducks that frequented the area. The lighthouse, built of cream city brick from Milwaukee, began service in 1858 with a fourth order Fresnel lens showing its light 52 feet above the surface of the lake. The light served to guide shipping through the Manitou Passage to the north. The station was greatly enlarged in 1894 to about triple its original size. Red brick was used for the addition and the lighthouse and dwelling were painted white. For 125 years, keepers and their families lived at the station. Alonzo Slyfield, principal keeper from 1861 to 1882, was also a doctor and coroner for the local community. After 1894, there was a principal keeper's dwelling attached to the lighthouse tower and two assistant keeper's dwellings. Point Betsy and Sherwood Point became the last light stations on Lake Michigan to be fully automated and de-staffed in 1983. Coast Guard personnel lived in the keeper's house at Point Betsy until 1996. In 2004, ownership of the property was transferred to Benzie County. Friends of Point Bestie Lighthouse has cared for the property under a partnership agreement. After a 2006 renovation of the lighthouse exterior that cost about a million dollars, the Friends Group restored the fog signal building, the interior of the lighthouse, and the adjacent dwelling. A separate assistant keeper's house now serves as a vacation rental. In 2010, the organization received the Governor's Award for Historic Preservation. The group also had a fourth order Fresnel lens previously used at the lighthouse and removed in 1996, returned to the lighthouse for display. 
The battle between the lighthouse and the waters of Lake Michigan has a long history. Right from the beginning, measures had to be taken to protect the station from the lake. In 1869, the displacement of sand around the lighthouse resulted in repairs to the tower's base. In recent years, the barriers that protect the lighthouse have taken a beating from rising lake levels caused by tremendous amounts of precipitation and excess runoff in the spring and summer. In addition to a small number of paid staff, Point Betsy Lighthouse has around 25 volunteers working as tour guides and in the gift shop, making it possible for the station to be open to the public for an extensive schedule from late May to late October. Visitors get to climb the tower for a view of the Lake Michigan shoreline. Chuck Clark is the treasurer on the board of directors of the Friends of Point Betsy Lighthouse, and he has been involved with the lighthouse since before the Friends Group was founded. I had the opportunity to speak with him on the phone in March. Let's listen to that conversation now. With me is Chuck Clark, treasurer for the Friends of Point Betsy Lighthouse in Michigan, the organization that cares for one of the most beautiful lighthouses on the Great Lakes. I see photos of Point Betsy Lighthouse all the time, online, on Facebook, on calendars, and all over the place. It's one of the most photogenic light stations anywhere, but it's currently threatened by the rising water levels of Lake Michigan which is one of the things we'll talk about today. And I should mention that we're recording this interview on March 20th, 2020, but people will be hearing this later, uh, probably in early June. Uh, thanks so much for being with me today, Chuck. Well, thank you for uh, inquiring about it. Chuck, you've been involved with the Friends of Point Betsy Lighthouse. Actually, you've been involved with the Lighthouse uh, since before the Friends of Point Betsy Lighthouse uh, was formed. Uh, could you tell us how the organization was formed and how you personally got involved with the lighthouse? Uh, yes. In about 1998, uh, Coast Guard sent a letter to the Bureau of Land Management in Milwaukee uh, wanting to relinquish Point Betsy Lighthouse. About 2001, Bureau uh, had a, a meeting over here in Frankfort, Michigan, where Point Betsy is located, and wanted to uh, solicit interested parties uh, who may be interested um, in uh, tr transferring ownership from the Bureau of Land Management to themselves. Well attended, State Historic Preservation Office, uh, Michigan Lighthouse uh, Group, and so on. I was the uh, county administrator for Benzie County, which is where Point Betsy is located at the time. Uh, the chairman of the board and I went to that meeting, and we became interested in uh, obtaining ownership. The State Historic Preservation Office also wanted to have a model where a county or a governmental entity such as a township or a county became an owner and then pro uh, partnered with a nonprofit to own and operate the lighthouse. So uh, the county formed a committee, and I, I was co-chair initially, then chair of that committee, and we studied uh, what we needed to do because most of us knew very little about not only restoring or operating a lighthouse, but how much it's going to cost and how we're going to do this, how we're going to run it. So. That committee was in effect uh, for about three years. We hired Queen Evan Ar Architects to do a feasibility study to help us in that process. And in uh, 2003 and four, we uh, submitted the paperwork to the Bureau, the development plan, the management plan, and the par we for ownership. And, a, and part of that was uh, creating a partnership. My initial co-chair with me 
instead of going to a, a local nonprofit, we decided the best thing to do is create our own nonprofit. So he uh, started the process of getting people on board uh, who formed the Friends of Point Betsy Lighthouse. They subsequently became a nonprofit, 501c3, in 2002. And then once we got the transfer in 2004, we had a full uh, complement of the county and and the nonprofit uh, functioning. So then uh, I, I was in charge of uh, the grant writing and the facilities as county administrator, uh, and, and, and we went through the process of the restoration, and then uh, I moved on from the county and uh, uh, became a Friends board member and the treasurer in about uh, 2010, something like that. Well, you and everybody else involved with the, the Friends have done a fantastic job. The restoration that was carried out between 2006 and uh, 2010 is really impressive, and I believe that cost was a well over a million dollars. Is that is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes, and uh, what we find, you have to do your start structures report first. That was done in 2005. As you mentioned, restoration for the lighthouse exterior started in 2006, carried over in 2007, and same with the Fox Signal Building. And then the interior was completed uh, in 2010 and 11. A uh, series of funding issues uh, or opportunities uh, with the state of Michigan with uh, uh, the federal government, the uh, Save America's Treasures Grant, a series of lighthouse uh, grants that the State of Stark Preservation puts out through the license plate revenue, a couple of other uh, nonprofit opportunities, and the Friends raised the matching money for all of these. So we were able to, in short time, take care of uh, the restoration of the interior and exterior of the four historic buildings. So it went pretty quickly and uh, pretty thoroughly. But what, what we find with that now, here, ten years later, is it doesn't stop. So what right. I call now is is uh, restoration maintenance. We've had the the roof painted. It's a cedar roof uh, of the lighthouse and the storage building. Uh, on three separate occasions, you'd have to do that every five or six years. Uh, the lighthouse was just painted uh, the brick last year. Um, the tower needs to be painted about every five years, uh, and we've painted the old storage boat. So things are looking very fresh, and we keep up the, any issues with rotting of the wood and things like that. So uh, right now it's looking really good. Well, it always looks great in, in photos but that's that's the nature of lighthouse preservation it's never finished once you uh th finish one thing there's something else that that needs doing the uh the keeper's house that's attached to the lighthouse tower is uh is a museum and the fog signal building and the boathouse also have exhibits uh, right and uh well um yeah. the uh in the interior of, of the uh, uh lighthouse your downstairs you have exhibits uh, period exhibits uh and one room was dedicated to the life saving uh, service which complemented the life, lighthouse service and that was across the street and then later uh, when we built the uh, new building we dedicated that whole museum to the life saving service so we're in the process maybe of rethinking what that room is going to be we also have a room dedicated to the nature conservancy which is another one of our neighbors and uh, to talk about uh, the fragile ecological system or the dune system that surrounds, it's in, in that area surrounds Point Betsy. 
And then uh, the Fog Signal Building currently really has no exhibits. We're trying to use that for temporary things, like we had a photo contest there last year. Um, uh, we have some meetings there, but we're looking at replicating some of the uh, Fog Signal equipment, which is still available to get through the Park Service at the uh, nearby Sleeping Bear Dunes National Park, or Lake Shore. And uh, kind of complementing that with some of the shipwreck issues, and so we're still in the process of that. The museum, it's, which is the new building uh, accompanying the gift shop, that was done in 2013 and finished in 14. And we have a boat in there, uh, old tender boat, and a kind of a panorama of uh, a shipwreck and what that what that service did to save those people, and artifacts on loan from the uh, park service. And then a mural of how life was uh, in the early uh, 1900s. So kind of a whole complement of uh, the history and the area. And also the uh, the assistant keeper's house is available for vacation rentals. Uh, could you t tell us a little bit about how that works? Well, it's uh, actually it's an upstairs apartment, uh, one of the assistant keeper's apartments. So as you as you know, uh, there were three. Uh, families that uh, served as lighthouse keepers, so a keeper or two, two assistant keepers, and this was one of the assistant keepers' rooms. So it's because we don't let the public on the second level, um, we're able to rent that out to the public. Uh, it's a nice revenue source for us. We are actually now in the process of updating that a little bit, and it helps uh, certainly provide revenue to conduct the operations and uh, keep the keep the place up. We're probably well into ninety percent booked for the last three or four years, so it's very popular. Oh yeah, any any lighthouse that can have uh, overnight stays—that's always a, a great revenue source. People absolutely love that for sure. Right. If we could move on, uh, you've been in the news a lot lately. I'd like to talk about the current problems with the barrier at the lighthouse that uh, protects it from the waters of Lake Michigan, and of course the uh, rising lake level is a, is a big problem for, for a lot of people these days. I heard in one place that the current barrier was installed in 1944, but I've also uh, read, I read in one place that the protection system was built in 1894. I'm a little confused about that. Can you, can you explain that? And you, could you tell us about what the current problems are with the barrier? Sure. Well, the original water barrier was put in, uh, I'm estimating 1894, in that area when the uh, lighthouse was first expanded from uh, a smaller building. It was doubled in its size and the roof was elevated. The fog signal building was added. Uh, so there's a lot of renovations occurred in 1894. So I'm thinking that's about the time it was, but not for sure exactly. But you can see pictures from like 1907 where there is a barrier uh, abutting the lighthouse. And it looked to be a combination of wood and maybe some cement block. Um, so the the 1944 version was uh, really an upgrade at that time, and that's the last. Well, not quite the last, but uh, that 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 was a major modification. Uh, before there was a single bulkhead, or well, a second bulkhead was added, maybe 10, 12 feet in, or 10 feet in, or so. And then uh, this apron was poured. Uh, to uh, up to the lighthouse, kind of in a triangular shape, formed to the lake level, uh, to the to the uh, bulkheads. So that kind of solidified that. At some point, we think that maybe in the 60s and the or the 70s, some of the groins were put in, which 
uh, go into the lake uh, vertically from the face of the bulkhead. There's seven of those. And then sometime also in the 70s, there was a lot of erosion on the north side of the lighthouse and beyond the fog signal building. As normally when the wave action, water action hits the, the hard surface, it goes where it can it, it can uh, have more effect on the land, and that area was being uh, washed away, or almost like a little harbor. And what the Coast Guard did was bring in a lot of rock to uh, solidify that uh, northern side of the lighthouse so, or, or the the property there. And that's that's stayed in that effect since then. Um, so right now. When we did a feasibility study, we had a firm come in to look at what needed to be done. This was 2003. We got done with the uh, the shoreline protection system. And they had a number of recommendations, more rock. They thought the probably another cover over the over the uh, existing apron. There was some sinking at this time. Uh, they thought, although it doesn't really look that, that way. And so we knew things needed to be done. They were still in pretty solid shape at that time uh, and became, well, our first priority was historic buildings. And then this actually was the fifth of the capital project priorities. So then as we got along, we addressed the road in and we we knew that uh, we needed to also address the shoreline protection system. We met with the Corps of Engineers in 2014 and they looked at the study done in uh, 2003 and and thought that was a good study, and um, so agreed with a lot of its recommendations. But because uh, this is a historic property, uh, when we had the historic structures done, it really did not address the shoreline protection system. So we talked with the, the Corps, recommended we have that first historic structures report. The State Historic Preservation Office also recommended that, although they have less of a concern with that than the Corps. So as things developed, as we're moving forward with fundraising and capital, uh, these capital projects, and then this greater uh, impact of the water in this area this last year or so, we, we kind of expedited our process. Now, five years ago, that lake level was low, so these things come and go, but certainly high now. So, and uh, we've seen some deterioration on the south side of the the apron between actually the bulkheads. Um, but we've also seen some areas to the north where the apron stops, where there's no really protection beyond the bulkhead that us and some engineers were working with uh, thought that that's probably a, a, a more serious of the problems. So we've got the ball rolling on a historic structures report, uh, uh, and this is probably what you've seen in the paper um, or yes. media outlets. Uh, so we put out an RFP for that through the county as the owner. Uh, we hired a firm called Baird Innovative Engineered out of Madison, Wisconsin. I communicated with them again yesterday. They are going to start the Stark Structures Report, uh, giving them three months to complete, or actually till uh, end of June to complete it. Um, and uh, we're going to meet with them here in a week or so and get that ball rolling, give them background data. So then they'll put together that uh, um, HSR, and then it's got. And they'll in that plan, in that report they'll provide a uh, a preliminary plan to address the issue, and then it has to go through the the various agencies, particularly the Corps of Engineers, to some extent the SHPO, 
certainly the Eagle, which is the old DNR, the State of Michigan Natural Resources, and the, uh, and the environmental component, the DEQ, to uh, approve any kind of plan, and they'll come up with a final plan. And then when that's approved, then we can go forward. We've, we've really got the money to go ahead and do this now, but uh, I think we're looking at probably the earliest being probably next spring to get that addressed if all these reports get uh, done and approved in a timely manner. Do we know at this point uh, if the barrier uh, needs to be completely rebuilt or if it can be repaired, or are we talking about a, a complete complete re- rebuilding? No, it, there's, there's no, there's not a chance of it falling in the, in the lake or anything like that. Uh, there is maybe some undermining in various spots, but below the, the apron is, uh, is rock and sand, and really that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, but it's dropped a little bit. Uh, so the, the answer to that question is it's going to be repaired. Uh, there's talk about removing the groins as they're not as effective or found to be as effective as it may were thought to be uh, 30, 40 years ago, uh, and bringing in more rock to support the uh, the walls, the bulkheads. And the other area that's not really addressed is beyond the apron. So we're looking at uh, improvements, maybe you could call it technological improvement, advancements, uh, and address these issues, um, and um, probably just uh, re-pouring over the existing apron as the one uh, engineer recommended. So certainly it's not going to be torn out, and it's going to be just uh, improved from its current current condition. And it's it's really doing its job. There's some deterioration that um, we're going to see if they can fix that for a temporary fix. So they've got some sheet pile that's uh, it's, it's a horizontal sheet pile that's, uh, on the bulkhead that's flapping around. Maybe we can fix that temporarily. And maybe do some other things. Uh, we'll find out in the, that out in the next couple of weeks when we talk to the experts. But uh, yeah, not not a complete work. It's not it's not a grave crisis. It certainly has needed attention for uh, 20 years, uh, and it's gotten worse in the last couple. But it's a solid structure. They did a nice job in 1944. I was reading uh, that there are other things planned along with the the repairs to the barrier, including a, a boardwalk and new sidewalks. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, that's a supplemental project. That's the road in. That's been a hard nut to crack over the last uh, 17, 18 years. Mm-hmm. You have a uh, a lighthouse kind of on a, on a peninsula almost, or a uh, the landlocked road. I mean, it's a, the road goes to the a mile from M22 to the lake. You have uh, neighbors out there. You have the pristine environment. Uh, it's much like a, I think Canna Point in in Door County, Wisconsin, where there's issues uh, with parking. Uh, you don't have a turnaround access. You per, per people park in the sand and get stuck. So we've tried to come up with a, a plan that would be satisfactory to everyone. Particularly, we're very cognizant of. Uh, good relationships with the neighbors and want them to be pleased with what's going on. We don't want to turn this into a, you know, a department store or a parking lot or anything like that. Um, and uh, so there were seven plans that were uh, proposed to the uh, State Historic Preservation Office, and it took uh, from 2003 to 2008 or 11 really to uh, get to get the final plan approved, which is kind of a reduced. Uh, from the original concept of 55 spots to 33 spots, 
uh, more of a just straight in and a turnaround at the end, uh, kind of a almost like a runway approach to it. Uh, so it doesn't really impact too much on the viewscapes, which is what Shippo didn't want to do. They wanted the neighbors to continue to have the views and not upset the uh, e- ecological view of the area um, or the uh, the dune structure. So very little impact on that. We're now the current uh, engineer is recommending for help of drainage and also aesthetics that we use pavers for the parking area. So that's in the plan. Uh, that's going to be really a nice, uh, nice approach. And the boardwalk, the initial plan was a more elaborate word to give people a, a viewing platform and a handicap ramp to uh, off of that uh, initial boardwalk. That plan was not approved by Department of Environmental Quality. So right now, the, the plan is going to be uh, just a, a boardwalk from the road end, turn around to the level of the sand and um, probably 32 feet in length that will satisfy people uh, that are handicapped or um, just give people access instead of going through a, a gully, give them a safe access through the, uh, from the road to the beach. And then we have sidewalks surrounding the parking area for pedestrian, better pedestrian flow, the turnaround for, so cars can go to the end uh, and turn around and not have to... Uh, back up and people's driveways and so on uh, and so a whole better I have a safe condition and we're probably within a couple thousand dollars of getting that uh, funded and uh, the plans we have one issue with the DEQ about the, the width of the boardwalk we're hopeful that that'll be what we'd like instead of the, the regs say but it'll, it'll solve a number of problems uh, and it should be aesthetically pleasing to everyone Sounds like a place is going to be pretty amazing when all that get, that's, that gets done. Right. Um, now, we're recording this interview on March 20th, as I said earlier. And at this point, it, it's a, a crazy time. Uh, I think people are going to be listening to this in early June. But uh, as we speak, because of the restrictions with the COVID-19 pandemic, the seasons for lighthouses and museums all, all over the country are very much in jeopardy. I think by the time people hear this, uh, the scope of what's happening this summer will probably be uh, kind of a lot more in focus uh, by that time. I hope I hope the picture is going to be a lot lot better, but it remains to be seen. Uh, you know, we really don't know. At the time we're talking, we really don't know what this the, what the season has in store for us. Uh, are you trying to do some alternative planning at this point for what's gonna what may happen this summer? Yes, uh, we met with the staff yesterday. Uh, a couple of considerations. First of all, we have maintenance that needs to happen right away. Normal annual maintenance, HVAC systems, and so on. So that'll that'll begin. Uh, we know that uh, whatever happens with the pandemic, uh, the apartment rental should not be affected at all because that's a totally independent op- operation from the public going into uh, the gift shop or the lighthouse. So we talked about just moving ahead, getting things ready. Uh, talked to the gift shop manager about scaling back on uh, on the ordering in case we have to be closed. Uh, we're not spending all our money on stock that's not gonna it's gonna be sitting there, and she's reluctantly working on that. <laughs> and uh, then 
my my thinking here is that the Memorial Weekend will give us a good idea of what's going to happen so as 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 well as far as the tourist industry. If everything's cleaned up, people still, still may want to, may not want to move. Uh, if we're in good shape, they may want to come out and drove. So, if we can open a Memorial Weekend, which is our schedule, then the, the tourist level will will give us a good indication how the year is going to go. Uh, in my estimation. Um, but and right now we're seeing the guidance that says not more than 20 people or so. We may have to limit traffic into the gift shop or the lighthouse if that remains in effect. And we can certainly do that. Uh, the, the bigger issue, the bigger problem with that becomes in July and August when you have uh, large numbers of people on the site. So we're going to play that by ear, but uh, I think we're we're looking at that and. If we need to shut down, we'll shut down. But uh, if we scale down, we can scale down. Uh, so we've got a n- number of options here, but we want to have the, the buildings prepared for the season regardless. Well, it's a challenging time for lighthouse organizations all over the country, for sure, uh, including here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So our organization right. here is having the same sorts of discussions. So good luck. And that's, that's why yeah. we have a good financial reserve, so... We're not too concerned about keeping things going uh, right. financially. Yeah, well, I'm tremendously impressed by what you've accomplished there and continue to accomplish. I have one more question for you for bonus points. Uh, okay. Yeah. What's been your favorite thing about your involvement, your personal involvement with Point Betsy Lighthouse? Well, I tell you, as your life goes on, you have your ups and downs of your job or your challenges of your job. And when you drive out on Point Betsy Road and you come over the hill and you see the buildings and the corner, it, every single time it brings a smile to your face. So it just kind of lightens your, your life. And uh, uh, it's been that way for 20 years for me, just about. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing to go out and see and see uh, improve over the years and restore it for uh, the public to enjoy. Well, that's beautifully said. I can't think of a better way to to wrap up this this interview, this conversation. And uh, I thank you so much, Chuck Clark, for spending this time with me today. It is going to be an unusual season this year, whatever happens, but I I hope for the best for all of us. And I wish you uh, all the best with the the, uh, project with the, the barrier at the lighthouse and just uh, continued success with Point Betsy Lighthouse. Thank you so much, Chuck Clark. Thank you very much. Appreciate the time. As we mentioned earlier, Point Betsy Lighthouse was constructed of so-called Cream City Brick. Cream City Brick is a cream or light yellow brick made from clay found around Milwaukee, Wisconsin. These bricks were used so much in the Milwaukee area in the mid to late 19th century that the city was nicknamed the Cream City. When the bricks are fired, they get a creamy yellow color, but because they're porous, they absorb dirt and become dark colored over time and can be difficult to clean. They're generally durable, but some weren't well manufactured and have degraded. Big Sable Point Lighthouse in Michigan had to be encased in iron plating, and Gross Point Lighthouse in Illinois had to be encased in concrete because both of them were built of inferior cream city brick. But Point Betsy Lighthouse has done well thanks to the loving care the Friends Group has put into it. Thanks again to Chuck Clark for today's interview. For more information, check out the Friends of Point Betsy Lighthouse website online 
at pointbetsy.org. That's pointbetsy, B-E-T-S-I-E dot O-R-G. There's also a Facebook page. Many thanks to the staff of the U.S. Lighthouse Society in Washington, around the U.S. and around the world. Be sure to check out uslhs.org for information on tours, the J. Candace Clifford Lighthouse Research Catalog, the Lighthouse Enthusiast Community, and all the other fun and educational things the Society has to offer. Members of the U.S. Lighthouse Society receive the quarterly journal, The Keeper's Log, filled with history and human interest stories. If you enjoy this podcast, we hope you'll consider becoming a member of the USLHS or making a donation to support the podcast and all the other ways the Society fosters public awareness of America's lighthouses and supports lighthouse preservation. We appreciate all of our regular listeners and we welcome all of our new listeners. If you have ideas about segments or people we could interview for Lighthearted, please contact us by emailing jeremy at uslhs.org. Through these stressful times, we all need to help each other and be kind to each other. We're going to close with a couple of quotes from a website called wiseoldsayings.com. The Turkish author and playwright Mehmet Murat Ildan wrote, quote, If you are a lighthouse, you cannot hide yourself. If you hide yourself, you cannot be a lighthouse, unquote. And that famous philosopher, unknown, said, quote, don't forget that maybe you are the lighthouse in someone's storm, end quote. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. As always, thanks for listening and keep a good light. From this little light of mine, I'm the way to shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine.